Morning. Good to see you again. Um, I am not Hillary Baldwin. We kind of look alike, but I don't have the blonde hair. Otherwise, um, as you just heard, she couldn't make it here on time, so I was asked to, uh, to step in. I was happy to do so. This is a product theater, which means that this is, uh, as, as you heard of CME2, it is also a talk that is sponsored um, by Valiant. And uh, the slides are from Valiant, and uh, we have to adhere to some farmer guidelines. If you have any questions, ask them, and if there's any issue, I'll let you know, okay? Um, you guys use a Kenya? Yeah? Any combination products, benzoyl peroxide, clindamycin combination products, they've been around for a long time. So what we're gonna talk about is today is what a Kenya is, um, what it does, what are some of the characteristics, the phase three pivotal studies, and we're also gonna talk about a sub-study, which is really not a sub-study. You take the phase three study and you, uh, you break it down by age and see how, what a, how a Kenya did with, um, with adolescents, okay? Okay, so, a Kenya, by the way, is a combination of clindamycin phosphate, 1.2%, and benzoyl peroxide, 2.5%. That's what makes it different. Uh, from some of the other combination products. Benzoyl peroxide clindamycin is the concentration of the benzoyl peroxide. We know, and depending on who you talk to, um, acne affects anywhere between 40 to 60 million people uh, in the United States, okay? We also know that it's very different, um, and it varies in presentation, it varies in age. The biggest um, acne segment, uh, if you will, in the United States is actually the adult female acne patient. That probably is because adult female patients have the money to deal with their issues and want to deal with them, they're more proactive. But also other things come into play. But 85% of adolescents and young adults between 12 and 24 have acne. Depending on who you talk to, it could be anywhere from 80 to some people say 100%. And in adolescents, boys get it more than girls. But if you notice, in our offices, we see more girls than boys um, with acne. Why? Because again, Girls are more proactive about their skin than boys are. Boys become proactive when they meet a girl. So if you see a boy who comes up to your office after you have not seen him for two years with acne and he's dragging his mom because he wants his acne better, ask who the girl is every time. They blush, it breaks the ice, but actually it works every time. Okay, <clears throat> so Kenya has indicated uh, for the topical treatment of acne vulgaris in patients age 12, or above. Why age 12? Because the studies in acne, studies start 12 or above, so you're not going to have any indication for acne, and these combination products are going to be less than 12 years old. Uh, it's once daily dosing, which is also different with a Kenya than the other ones. So once daily dosing, uh, and it's effective against both inflammatory and non-inflammatory um, acne lesions. The clinical studies, the pivotal studies, were two studies that encompassed about 2,800 patients uh, in the studies uh, themselves. Another characteristics, no preservatives, no surfactants, no parabens, and no alcohol. And about five years ago, I think, when it first came out. Okay, <clears throat> so clindamycin in a Kenya is a, is a lincosamide antibiotic, and we also have a bactericidal and keralytic um, component, which is benzoyl peroxide. Um, the safety and efficacy of the use of these products in the, in the treatment of any other disorders have not been evaluated. This is the compliance part of it. This has been, um, has been uh, used for acne, has been studied for acne, that's what we're gonna talk about today, acne, okay? Now, this is the safety information of a Kenya. We may all think, well, you know, this is just topical 
um, to infract, you no know, big deal. But this is something important that I like to go over and that I think we all need to know about. Why? Because our patients read it. And whether we think that it's um, relevant or not in, in clinical practice, our patients do read it. So we need to know that a Kenya is contraindicated in patients with a history of regional enteritis, ulcerative colitis, or any antibiotic-associated colitis. Why? Because it contains clindamycin. Contains clindamycin, if you see the second point, clindamycin has been associated with um, diarrhea, with colitis, with C. difficile, as well as so remembrance colitis, and not only oral clindamycin. Oral clindamycin much more, but actually there have been some cases, very, very rare, of topical clindamycin being associated with this. So we need to be aware of it. I wouldn't give anything with clindamycin to a patient with Crohn's, just because I don't want the hassle. Um, and although I don't think topically they might do a big, uh, big thing to them, but it is potentially a problem, okay? Do you guys understand what that is then? Clindamycin, pseudomembranous colitis, we always think about that, and do not dismiss the topical clindamycin in it. Um, of course, if they're allergic to it, don't give it to them. But all this being said, the most common reactions are local adverse reactions, and they're mild to moderate erythema, scaling, itching, burning, and stinging. It shouldn't be used in combination with erythromycin-containing products. Anybody knows why? Go ahead. Inducible resistance, potentially, but actually, actually yes, in a roundabout, roundabout way. What happens with clindamycin and erythromycin, they actually almost nullify each other. Neither of them work very well. So again, remember that these are class effects. So when you're giving somebody oral clindamycin and oral erythromycin, for example, for, to fight an infection, if neither of them works very well, the infection is not going to be fought very effectively. So that's why they're contraindicated. They both link us antibiotics, and they kind of um, go after each other, okay? And that translates to the topical treatment as well. Again, since it's been only studied for 12 weeks, you need to also know your patients might see. Um, they come in and say, well, this is only 12 weeks. What do I do after 12 weeks? That's something we need to be ready to also address. And we are. And this is the same with all of them, by the way. It's not just with Kenya. Okay. So when they looked at getting Kenya, again, there were other combination products. So why get yet another one uh, about five years ago? Uh, why try another one that's also benzoyl peroxide clindamycin combination product? It was developed with several goals in mind. Goal number one is to go to once daily application. The other ones were twice daily. So they wanted once daily application combination product. They wanted something that was elegant, uh, have an aqueous gel formulation, and have no surfactant preservatives of alcohol. And they wanted something that delivered efficiently benzoyl peroxide to the skin. Now that is important. The higher the concentration of benzoyl peroxide, the higher the irritation potential. Correct? Studies have shown, though, that the concentration itself of benzoyl peroxide is not related to the efficacy of the benzoyl peroxide. So you can have something with lower concentration, if it's delivered effectively, do just as well as something with a higher concentration with much less side effect profile. And that's what they were aiming for. And of course, they were formulating this with tolerability in mind. All right. So let's talk about efficacy. This is the phase three pivotal study. A phase three study is a study that you submit to the FDA for approval. And what you have to do, what the company has to do, is when you look at a combination product with two products, you have to show that this combination is better than each of the individual products on its own. So you have to have four arms in something with two products. You have to have an arm which has only clindamycin, 1.2% in this case, an arm that has only benzoyl peroxide, 2.5% in this case, an arm that has this third component of this mixture, which is the vehicle, and an arm that has the product itself. So you're going to have four arms, a Kenya, benzoyl peroxide, 
2.5%, clindamycin, 1.2%, and the vehicle. And all these will be studied. And the total number of patients were about 2,800. These were split in two identical studies. Why? Because the FDA makes us do that. Um, I think it's, um, it prevents bias a little bit more. And you have several study sites to do that. So the first study site had about 1,400 study sites had about 400, uh, 1,400 people, about 35 sites. The second um, study had about 1,400 people as well, another 33 sites. And they had patients that applied once daily application to the face, 12 weeks, and they were seen at baseline, week four, week eight, and week 12. So for a little bit more regular, we follow usually our acne. Patients, we see them at you know, usually six weeks to eight weeks initially, but this is a study one to see how things worked fast. Now, why is week four important? Because also, Anything I give my patients, I have in mind that I have two weeks to have something happen. Patients don't give us that long for at least something to happen. If you want compliance to increase, you want something that within two weeks has at least a little bit of a movement, where they see, well, I think something is happening, let's give it more time. Because if by two weeks nothing is there, there the compliance rate plummets. Entry criteria, 17 to 40 facial, facial inflammatory lesions, and also 2,200 facial non-inflammatory lesions. This also includes non-inflammatory lesions. Uh, less than two facial nodules, and a severity score, which is called an IgA sometimes, or EGSS in this time, of the investigator of moderate to severe. These were not mild acne patients, these were moderate severe acne patients. And you'll see some pictures um, of, uh, of the characteristic patients that, that were seen in the study. So first analysis looked at the efficacy uh, and safety, right? So the efficacy variables looked at the absolute change in inflammatory and non-inflammatory lesions at week 12 and also treatment success. Now, treatment success means that if somebody starts with severe, which is grade four, you want them down at grade two or less, okay, which is mild to almost clear. If they start at three, they're gonna be almost clear to clear, one or zero, okay, two or less. And this is actually strict guidelines that changed, I think, about five years ago. So this actually is different than some of the studies of the predecessors of, of um, this combination. And it changed with all, actually, acne products about about this time, five, six years ago. Also, they looked at the safety and tolerability, adverse events, cutaneous tolerability, and cutaneous safety, okay? Any questions so far? When you look at the demographics, it's a busy, uh, busy slide. Mainly, almost equal male and female, mostly Caucasians, uh, about 16 to 20% uh, African Americans, very little Asians and, and others. Uh, moderate severe acne, with moderate being the, um, the most uh, common uh, subject in the study, 80%, and severe about 20%. And we had actually quite a bit of lesions, 71 um, lesions total, 70 total, we're on 70 lesions total, with about 50 inflammatory, 40, 50 inflammatory, or non-inflammatory, sorry, and 26 to 30 inflammatory lesions. These were moderate, severe patients. These were not your, you know, I have a little acne patient, okay? Again, four groups. When you look at this, you look at the studies, the subject that started, how they were randomized, and how many were left. And you had about, across groups, about 84 to 91%, so eight, around 80 to 90% people completed the study, which is actually very good in a study like that with that, that amount of volume. The majority of people who dropped from the study were lost to follow-up. What that means is they didn't come back. You know, they came the first visit, second visit, but not the third visit or something like that, okay? So what did we find? We found that not only did you have a statistically significant difference for inflammatory lesions, which is kind of expected, but also non-inflammatory lesions. You had a 55% change from baseline improvement in inflammatory lesions of echenia, 
benzoyl peroxide um, and um, clindamycin combination compared to uh, clindamycin phosphate alone, which is the yellow, um, benzoyl peroxide alone, which is the blue, and vehicle. Okay, you can see it here as well for non-inflammatory. 43% statistically significant compared to um, uh, clindamycin, benzoyl peroxide, and vehicle. Okay? Looking at it differently, looking at treatment success, by week 12, 35% of the patients, and remember, these were moderate to severe patients, these were not mild patients, 35% had treatment success, meaning an EGSS or IGA of grade two lower, which means the severe became mild at worst, mild or less, and the moderate became clear or almost clear or clear, okay? Now how about if we look at it differently? We look at these patients, moderate and severe, and we look at the number of patients, the amount of patients who actually were clear or almost clear um, by the end of 12 weeks, again, using only a Kenya. You had 29% of these patients, 29% of the, of the subject population had clear or almost clear results at 12 weeks, which was uh, clinically and statistically significant compared to the other uh, components of the drug. So you take these, you take this data, you show it to the FDA, you pass the muster proof, you get approved. That's how phase three study works, okay? Any questions about this? Any comments about this? Now this is a typical patient. This is a um, severe acne patient, IGA or EGSS4 patient. 12 weeks of a Kenya and that's what you get. Again, this is an indicative or, or a, a, an average patient in the study. They can't just show you the best patient there. So this is, this is what we're getting there. It's quite impressive. Next patient, darker skin, same thing. Starting with four, severe acne. And at week 12, that's what we're getting, almost clear. You just in one. That's a success as well. So from four to one, that's three. Now, one thing I want to mention here, and it's very important in um, darker skin acne patients. I always mention to my patient before I start any treatment, who I see first, uh, uh, who I see first with acne, and who have that dark skin, I always talk about what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. I say what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation because the reality is that right now this data is showing us more and more that actually there's still inflammation, um, inflammation there. Uh, I still call it post-inflammatory because I think that's what everybody understands better. But if you look at the studies, quite a bit of inflammatory reaction is still going on. It's the inflammation really is the first thing that happens in acne and the last thing that leaves. But look at the difference between these two, these two patients. Lighter skin and darker skin. To start with, the acne is not that bad. Not that different, sorry. They're not, they're not that different for their acne. But when you look at the end of it, you see a lot of, sorry, a lot of these PIHP. And that's very, very important to discuss up front because patients will come back. You'll have your MA go in the room. MA walks out, says, acne follow-up, no improvement. You walk in there and they have 50% improvement, but they have this post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which they consider acne or scarring. So if you don't tell them up front, you're gonna have this, and you, they always have someone they see you. You tell them, you know, look at this. Do you see this, this dark spot? That's not acne. If all you have left is this when I see you back, I'm very happy and this will go away on its own eventually, or we can do some bleaching creams. But Always discuss it up front, because if you discuss it afterwards, and depending where you live in the country, that will happen to you more, if you discuss it afterwards, they think you're trying to, um, to pull a fast one on them, that you didn't do a good treatment, and now you're just trying to find excuses for yourself, okay? So if there's any, um, I guess, pearl I would say, but this, this talk, this is what I would remember. So to summarize it, when we pulled the data, 55% mean, mean inflammatory reduction, uh, was found with the use of a Kenya. 
uh, and that was statistically significant to the other acne ingredients, and 43% mean non-inflammatory lesion reduction was also found. 35% had a two-grade improvement, and 29% of the patients were clear or almost clear. That's the data that went out, and it was impressive data. All right, so it works, it works well. Is it tolerated? Again, remember, the reason why this was made, the concept initially, was to make something that's cosmetically pleasing and very well tolerated. Did it work? Did they do well with it? One of the things we forget to look at at acne, we look at erythema with treatment, we look at scaling and itching with treatment. Um, we always forget that most of our acne patients start with baseline erythema, start with baseline scaling, start with baseline uh, itching or burning. So we always have to keep that in mind. And when you look at it, about 22% of patients start with mild erythema, four with moderate erythema, but at the maximum, during the treatment, you had 25% and 5%. So it increased a little bit. I think the best way to look at it actually with the graft versus, versus the, um, um, sorry, versus the, the table. If you look at the graft, see, look, look at erythema to start with. Again, at baseline, mild, mostly. And actually, it's going somewhat down. As an average, it's going somewhat down. So what does this tell me? Does this make the erythema better? Yeah, because the acne is gone. But also, mostly, that there's really not a spike of erythema as a side effect. It's not that big of an issue in this combination product. Same thing with scaling. You see a little bit of an increase here, but listen, this is mild, right? And this is our bump at week four, maybe a little bit. And then goes back, compared to vehicle, about the same thing. Looking at stinging, same thing. Itching, I mean, does this mean that vehicle itches more than the combination? No, but it means they're pretty much equal. We don't have that much of a red flag in general. Now, does this mean that every patient you're going to have is going to do great with it? No, some people will stink, some people will itch, um, but it's not something that should happen very often and doesn't happen very often in my practice. Same thing with burning. How about discontinuation rate? When you look at the discontinuation rate, um, there really was no significant difference between the groups. So people who stopped who were on the clindamycin a benzoyl peroxide combination, and the people who stopped with the clindamycin combination or BPO combination or vehicle were about the same. Nothing really uh, that raised any red flag. So to summarize it, 97% of the adverse drug reactions were rated as mild to moderate. There were mostly application site reactions, um, and oh, sorry, skin reactions, and the application site reactions themselves were also very rare. And the most common local adverse event reactions were mild to moderate erythema, scaling, itching, burning, and stinging. Nobody stopped because of these. So when people stopped, it wasn't, oh my gosh, it stinks so much, I can't deal with it anymore. Nobody in the study has stopped because of these, okay? By the way, when you do it, anybody does clinical studies in their practice here with their docs? Okay. So you know that any patient can stop at any time and they can tell you or not tell you, and that becomes a discontinuation. You also should know that an adverse event is reported no matter what it is. So if you get hit by a bus while you're getting treated for your acne in the study, that's an adverse event. That's a serious adverse event, actually, but it's an adverse event. Um, okay, so summarizing everything, it's the only FDA-approved clindamycin BPO fixed combination that's dosed once daily um, in the treatment of moderate, severe, inflammatory, and non-inflammatory acne in patients 12 or older. Again, we had 28 subjects that were studied, 2,800 subjects, sorry, that were studied. Um, all the endpoints achieved statistical significance, and it was very tolerable. Also remember, it's an aqueous gel formulation. Why is this important? 
because cosmetically it makes a difference. And that's what we have to deal with when we deal with our patients. Are they gonna be using it? Are they gonna um, like it enough that the compliance is gonna stay, okay? Good, any questions? Yes, sir. You know, it's a little bit different. So my, my beginning of acne, my beginning of the acne, my acne career actually started with darker skin. I, you know, I, I trained in a place where I didn't see many acne. Actually, I saw more morphia than acne by the end of my residency. But then you go into real life, and I was in Phoenix, and I spoke Spanish, and I was near a high school, and next thing I knew, every Friday clinic of mine was a Hispanic acne clinic. So you get to deal with the inflammatory part of it very, very fast, because you see the, the, you actually have quite a bit of, um, of dissatisfaction with the treatment because they're coming there with their uh, post-inflammatory pigmentation thinking that's still my acne, you're not doing anything for me. So you learn very fast. Sunscreen helps, but not as much. Remember, this is not melasma. So the inflammation, that's the, the hyperpigmentation is happening from inflammation and drop of pigment. So when you have it in Hispanic population here in Atlanta and, and, and African-American population, it's very, very common. You can't do much about it. What I, the way I talk about this, and that's why it's good to talk about up front, is listen, we can go after these, but as long as you have active acne, we'd be treating one and two will appear. So why don't we control your acne first and then talk about it? And that's, you say this upfront, this is gonna be an issue, treat your acne first, um, let's control it and then we deal with this issue. It goes away on its own, some people are not as patient, and then some bleaching creams could help, sunscreen always helps, but it's not gonna make that big of a difference upfront. Go ahead. Combination with retinoid. Now, uh, this would be an off-label talk because we, there are no studies of combining this product with the retinoid, um, so keep that in mind. But I'm gonna answer your question separately, uh, or differently. A retinoid will cause more um, desquamation, therefore could uh, help post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation specifically uh, get better as well. Okay, so adolescent acne. This is not a new study. Pretty much what you do, you have the data of the pivotal study, you have all these 2,800 patients, and you now limit the data to the people who are adolescents and see what happens. How did these guys specifically within the study, the subgroup, um, work? And <coughs> so how do we manage adolescent acne? We guys know how to do that, so I'm not gonna talk about this too much. But really, what, the things I always think about is this. When you, talk, when you deal with acne, period, adolescent or non, one, look at the appropriate pathogenic factors of acne, what are we treating here? Are we treating anti, um, uh, um, as an antimicrobial only, or treating keratolytics? Are we doing other things as well with it? Um, again, minimal side effects. Adolescents don't deal with side effects very well, and adolescents don't deal with, no, with delayed gratification very well, so I can delay it only so much. As I said, I, have, I give them two weeks to have some improvement, otherwise I'm not gonna use it. Um, avoid antibiotic resistance is a big um, thing for me. I do believe strongly in antibiotic resistance, and I think we need to do something about it. Uh, therefore, if you use a topical or oral antibiotics, I think benzoyl peroxide should be, uh, should be used in acne, if you can. Um, and talk to the patients about proper skin care, and really for, for the acne adolescent patients, actually even their parents, um, dispel some of the myths that are there. So it's amazing some of the things that I get from parents um, about you know, eating chocolate and acne and eating things. I tell them not to eat the stuff. By the way, if you get this question, how, the way I answer this is this. We don't have any data that proves it. I always mention the McDonald's guys, and I tell them it's not because they're eating greasy food, it's because they're bathing in greasy food all day long. That's why they have acne. It's not what they eat. But if you tell me every time you eat chocolate, you break out, don't eat chocolate. It's that easy. 
Um, okay, so looking at the adolescent groups, pretty much similar. Um, when you look at the age, it was about 15 uh, years old, uh, more male uh, than, uh, than female in some of the groups, uh, actually kind of a cross. Um, and again, inflammatory, non-inflammatory uh, acne that was similar to the, rest, to the rest of the study, okay? And the same results were found, similar results were found. Again, non-inflammatory acne uh, decreased from baseline that was statistically significant um, versus the other ingredients. Same thing with non-inflammatory. Same thing with the treatment success, about 33%. Remember, it was 35% for the study as a whole. So they did very well from that standpoint. And clear, almost clear of 27%. So adolescents have done very well with the Kenya in this study as well. Nothing really different or no different flags from the general population. Okay. How about safety and tolerability? Same thing or similar things. Erythema, pretty much similar to vehicle. Scaling, similar. Stinging, burning, and itching. Maybe a little bit of an uptick here, you see, but barely. Again, this is mild. We're almost at zero. Very, very well tolerated. And people who dropped, actually more people dropped on the vehicle than um, then from the other things, no statistical significance, nothing really major in that. Adolescents, by the way, tend to drop more in studies if things are not working. If they notice it on the vehicle and their acne is not good, they're gonna, they're gonna get out much faster because their mom gives them the money, so they don't need the money for the, for the, from the study itself. Okay, so we're at the tail end of this. I'm gonna review some of the safety information again. Uh, please remember, I think the colitis is, is important. It's important from a patient standpoint, but also important from a medical legal standpoint. Um, and uh, remember that because it has clindamycin, it's a class effect anyway, so the same side effects of oral clindamycin will be shown on the, on the PI that the patient will sometimes read. Actually, more likely to be read by a younger patient or their parents than an adult patient. Um, but the most local adverse reactions, again, were mild to moderate erythema, scaling, itching, um, burning, or stinging. That's what you usually have, but very, very mild, not enough to cause a lot, a lot of discontinuation of the treatment. We talked about this before, the erythromycin, clindamycin component, know why, so if the patient asks you, and I've had been asked some weird questions, if the patient asks you, you need to know why. Um, as a whole, it has, been, it has done very, very well in my patients without any issues. Okay, any questions, any concerns? Go ahead. So, so the expectations, so the question, what do you do with the PIH, and how do you set the expectations? I always set very low expectations on anything I do. <laughs> it's, it saves me a lot of grief. Um, but this is how I deal with the PIH, with the, with the pigmentation, with the drop of pigmentation. Um, I, again, I bring it up front, and it's very important to bring it up front. That makes a big difference in the relationship with this patient. You bring it up front, you actually point, I get them, have them grab a mirror, say this is your acne, they think this is acne. So the first thing I do is educate, first visit, this is not acne, that's the leftover of acne. Which means that when I see you in two months, if all you have is this, this means you only have the leftovers of acne. A lot of patients push very hard to start treating with these right away. And sometimes I do it. But um, ideally what I tell them again is, listen, give it some time, we need to control your acne, otherwise, and I think that makes sense to them, otherwise you see all these pimples, they're gonna give you the same thing. So as long as you have these pimples, what's the point of me adding yet something else to your treatment, and you're gonna go after this one, but then you're gonna have the other pimples as well. 
The other thing with darker skin is the halo potential. So I kind of discourage them from active treatment by talking about the halo. You know, you don't want this lighter skin around it. And by halo meaning, you know, if the darker your skin, the higher the chance of having some dispigmentation also around the treatment with, let's say, hydroquinone, um, 4%. So I say, just give me some time, but expect to have to talk about it again at the next visit. So the first visit is rare. Unless they've had other things done and they really want to, it's rare for me to do, um, to do something like this. Now, what other things can I do uh, and, and I'm talking about this from my experience. This is in no way um, on label, or am I, am I talking about a Kenyan? So I'm talking not a Kenyan. I'm talking how I treat an acne patient, okay? Um, but next time, next visit, then other things come into play. You can use, um, once they get controlled, they see the acne is getting better. They're usually happier about it, by the way. Their acne is better. They know, you know, things are working. They look at this thing. And by the way, they're happier, but it's funny. They all forget what you told them the first visit. You always have to remind them, remember I told you the first time, this is not acne, like, oh, okay, fine. So now, your acne's better, let's talk about this. One option, you can wait. Guys usually wait, girls usually don't want to wait as much about this. And then two, you start talking about the different options. You talk about hydroquinones, you talk about azelaic acid treatment, um, that would work also for, for hyperpigmentation and potentially for some, uh, someone with acne as well. And, um, and you talk about, um, Mostly the expectation. Nothing like this happens fast. Sunscreen comes into play then as well. Wear your sunscreen, do other things. Nothing like this happens fast, but we need to keep your acne under control, and this is what we're going to do from there. And honestly, if they give you two more weeks or three more weeks and the acne is still under control, all these start fading away on their own anyway, so time plays um, in our hand. Time is in our favor in this, in this case, so we just have to give them, just to get them to continue their treatment and to do something not too aggressive for the next, for the next few weeks. Now. If you do a lot of face peels, that's also something to do. Uh, glycolic peels and things if they want to. Usually these with adults versus adolescents, I consider that as well. Any other questions? Okay, thanks. <laughs>